Hello and welcome. I'm Sri Roy with Sleep Review, and I'm thrilled to be here with neurologist sleep specialist Michael Thorpe, MBCHB. Dr. Thorpe is director of the Sleep Wake Disorder Center at the Montefiore Medical Center in Bronx, New York. This episode is sponsored by Jazz Pharmaceuticals. Today we are chatting about the lifelong burden of narcolepsy. Narcolepsy onset occurs during childhood or adolescence typically. Since it starts at a young age and there is no cure as of yet, what are the long-term management implications? Well, it's a disorder that you mentioned begins in childhood. And so uh, children have uh, uh, symptoms that are typically excessive daytime sleepiness. And then there's this abnormal muscle activity that we call cataplexy. So this can be very disabling for a child and so can affect their education. And then of course, as children get older, it interferes with their uh, personal relationships, so it can uh, uh, affect their um, not only family relationships, but also relationships with others. And uh, uh, so this may be a very negative effect as they get to uh, uh, early adulthood in uh, meeting prospective uh, partners. And uh, of course, it can affect their education, uh, college education, affect their work as they enter into the work uh, time of life. And um, maybe a, a major factor that affects uh, things such as driving or any dangerous activities that are at risk. And uh, it persists right through to uh, uh, old age. And so elderly people find that they, um, you know, it interferes with their retirement time because they're tired and sleepy and un unable to do the things that they want to do in their retirement. So it affects people right across the whole uh, life spectrum. You touched on this a little bit, but could you um, explain what are the key symptoms of narcolepsy and how and when do they typically manifest? Yep. Well, narcolepsy is a disorder of excessive daytime sleepiness so that uh, it's a chronic neurological disorder that causes patients to be tired, fatigued, and sleepy throughout the day so that they can fall asleep at inappropriate times. Uh, they may have uh, uh, episodes of uh, sleep attacks where they're doing things and they're unable to resist the sleepiness that comes over them and they have to give in to it. But uh, in all patients, there's a background level of sleepiness that's there the whole time that affects their cognitive function. And typically this begins in children and, and persists and may get more severe as uh, time goes on. And then in addition to the sleepiness, there is uh, uh, a unusual symptom that we call cataplexy, which is an emotionally induced muscle weakness. Uh, so that when the person becomes emotional and maybe uh, laughing or hearing a joke or, or sudden surprise or anxiety, uh, they will get a weakness that comes over them. At its worst, it can affect their whole body to the point that they will actually fall to the ground. But for many patients, it uh, um, affects their either their head, their neck, a, a feeling of weakness in their legs, or they may have weakness in their arms and drop things. And it's a very disabling symptom because it can come on very suddenly and uh, when they're not expecting it, and they find it extremely embarrassing and, and potentially can be dangerous too if they uh, uh, fall and, uh, uh, or if they're driving at the time when this uh, type of muscle weakness occurs. 
So there's the sleepiness, there's the um, cataplexy, but also these patients have disturbed nocturnal sleep. So their sleep at night is not good. So in fact, for patients with narcolepsy have difficulty staying awake during the day, but they have difficulty in sleeping at uh, night. And they have uh, a lot of interruptions to their sleep. And they have a lot of disrupted uh, dream sleep activity so that they may have uh, nightmares, uh, fragments of dreams, hallucinations, uh, partial manifestations of uh, muscle weakness uh, we call sleep paralysis. So there's a lot of disturbed uh, nocturnal sleep that goes along with the sleepiness and the uh, emotionally induced muscle weakness, the cataplexy. Do narcolepsy symptoms evolve over the course of a lifetime? If so, how? What patterns do they follow? Well, very often the symptoms are worse at the onset, although we know that the sleepiness is the first symptom that occurs. And patients may develop the cataplexy, the emotionally induced muscle weakness, at varying times after the onset of the sleepiness. Uh, and But very often for most patients, uh, because the symptoms are profound at the beginning, they learn to uh, adapt their life accordingly. So they uh, will learn to take a nap before they need to do something important or they learn to avoid emotionally inducing situations. So for most patients, they find that the symptoms actually do improve a little bit as time goes on, but they never go away. For patients with narcolepsy, it's a lifelong disorder, so there are always some symptoms that are present. Let's talk about alleviating the clinical burden for people with narcolepsy as much as possible. What can you typically accomplish with an individualized management plan? For example, do you set specific goals such as work or school productivity and or improvements in quality of life? Yeah, well, uh, Quality of life is extremely important for these patients, and so uh, we need to discuss that and, and uh, with their management because the, although we have uh, medications that can help patients, they are not able to return the patient to normal. So patients will always have some symptoms despite optimal treatment with medications. So uh, we need to discuss that uh, with patients as to... Uh, uh, how they're doing with it, whether there's resolution of the cataplexy, for example. Or, and uh, the cataplexy tends to be a little bit easier to resolve, but we may need to uh, have uh, multiple uh, treatment uh, options tried in a particular patient in order to get that cataplexy under control. But the sleepiness is much more difficult. And so patients tend to have uh, ongoing sleepiness, even though it may be improved with uh, uh, management by medications, but uh, uh, they need to understand that uh, it is going to be present to some extent and they need to uh, adapt their life accordingly so that uh, uh, certain occupations are not ideal for a patient. For example, sitting in front of a computer all day is not good because it's very soporific and patients will tend to be more tired and fatigued and sleepy in that situation. So more active activities uh, are important. So discussing the, the patient's goals in life and their uh, educational needs uh, is very important when managing uh, narcolepsy.
We'll be back with Dr. Thorpe after a short break. This episode is sponsored by Jazz Pharmaceuticals. Jazz Pharmaceuticals is a global biopharmaceutical company with the focus in neuroscience and sleep medicine, committed to improving the lives of patients and their families. Jazz is also the proud creator of Narcolepsy Link. The Narcolepsy Link mission is to increase narcolepsy awareness, help patients receive a proper diagnosis of narcolepsy, and to support long-term disease management. Narcolepsy Link creates innovative, evidence-based educational materials and resources for healthcare professionals to improve communication between healthcare professionals and their patients. Visit jazzpharma.com and narcolepsylink.com for more information. How often do you generally reassess narcolepsy patients to determine whether their management plan needs to be adjusted? When we first see patients uh, with narcolepsy and we try various medications, the management can be quite difficult because uh, uh, unfortunately many of the medications that we use tend to have adverse effects. And patients with narcolepsy do have underlying comorbidities, psychiatric and medical comorbidities. For example, anxiety and depressive features are very common in narcolepsy. Metabolic disorders and cardiovascular disorders also occur in patients with narcolepsy. So the medications that we use can uh, interact and interfere with those uh, other comorbidities. And so often uh, with patients, uh, it's a matter of finding the best medication for them. And so we may need to try multiple medications. uh, And uh, many times we need to use... uh, polypharmacy so that I would say the majority of patients with narcolepsy are on two medications and some patients need to take three medications in a day. But getting to that point where a patient is relatively stable does take some time. And so we see the patient very frequently in the early stages of getting them adjusted to medication. But then once they're stabilized, we can see them at less frequent intervals. So for example, every six months or 12 months. But uh, there's always issues that come up, and and even though a patient may be stable on a medication, uh, it doesn't prevent them from subsequently developing adverse effects. So we we do need to keep in close contact with patients to monitor their progress and how effective the medications are and change the medications, either the the dosing of the medications or change to a different medication as the need arises. Are there specific guidelines that you recommend to the physicians in the audience with regard to managing narcolepsy? Well, there, there are guidelines that have been produced in the United States by the American Academy of uh, Sleep Medicine. Uh, These guidelines are really about the medications and their effectiveness in treating narcolepsy. It's not, they are not really a treatment algorithm as such. So uh, uh, you need to know, obviously, which medications are are the ones that are most effective for uh, one or more of the symptoms. As I mentioned, the sleepiness, uh, some medications are more effective than others. Uh, Some medications will treat both the sleepiness and the cataplexy. And uh, this is all detailed in the American Academy uh, of Sleep Medicine Practice Parameters. There are also guidelines that have been produced in Europe uh, 
by the European uh, narcolepsy societies. And, and these guidelines are more of a, a treatment algorithm. So they give you a better idea as to if one medication doesn't work, you could, you could move to another medication and what would be appropriate for a particular patient. So, um, but uh, for most patients, treatment does need to be individualized. No two patients with narcolepsy are the same. And so very often it's a matter of trial and error with medications to see what's going to be the most effective for them and with the least side effects. Thank you so much for chatting with us about narcolepsy today. You can find Sleep Review at sleepreviewmag.com. And thank you to our audience for tuning in to this episode.